when the wrestling bears come out to wrestle it's the start of a brand new match that's right today we're talking about wrestling bears congratulations you hit the right button you downloaded the show and now you are listening to it you are here with us my name is nick gossard and i'm here with the george to my ringo it's chongo bronson how the hell are you man Capital, good to see you again, nerds. Welcome to the Hippodrome Express. And not only are we here today, the two of us, as always. Well, in addition to the George, the Ringo, we're here with the uh, the 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 uh, George Best. I think that was the original drummer of the Beatles. To complete this weird metaphor, it's pro wrestler Cody Divine. Cody, what's going on, man? Hey, it's me, Cody Divine. History in the making. Cloud King, local professional wrestler, straight out of Denver, Colorado. I'm excited to be here. Also intimidated to be here, but I'm stoked. Oh, you should be. That is the right reaction. We are amazing, and you are just basking in our reflected glory, but that is just the way of things, the way of things here on Pro Wrestling History Nerds. And what do we do on this show? We explore the crazy world of pro wrestling. We're not talking about the the the, the last couple of decades. We're not talking about what happened on Raw. We don't care. We're historians. We're Archaeologist, we're digging through the books, the e-books, the interwebs, digging up graves, get our Ouija board over the grave of Joe Stetcher, just being creeps and occultists, and I don't know where this rambling is going, but I like it. We're here to talk about the oral traditions, the crazy stories, the back-in-the-day nonsense of wrestling before television, before radio, before the uh, the, the big spread on uh, on the interwebs with the uh, the smart marks and whatever. When it was a real sport, when it became less of a real sport, the carny tradition lives on in pro wrestling, and that's the uh, the lineage we're bringing here today. And speaking of carny shit in pro wrestling, it doesn't get much more carny. Well, I suppose present company excluded Mr. Divine, but it doesn't get much more carny than our topic of what we're going to talk about today, and I'm so excited! And rightfully so, because we are not talking about men. Well, there are men involved in this story, nor are we talking about women. No, no, we are talking about the greatest wrestling attraction of the late 1800s, because what do you want to see when the carnival comes to town, and you've spent all afternoon watching the strongmen, watching the freak show, checking out the the wrestling event the the open challenge to the crowd so the marks get worked maybe the stick steps up money changes hand but then it's getting a little late in the day what's left to uh, really keep you there would it be a man wrestling a goddamn bear dun 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 <laughs> take my money wrestling bears Fighting bears. There's just something about that image that is just burned into the unconscious mind of any culture that has bears. You will see the same thing in other cultures, like down in the Sahara and subparts of Africa, where to be a man you have to, you know, tr- you know, fight a lion. That's even crazier in some ways. But there is this collective unconscious image of a man fighting a bear that just makes my cookie dough rise. I don't know what it is. It's like, I remember being a kid watching the movie The Legend of the Fall with Brad Pitt, and at the very end, there's the the post-movie you know movie narration about how he went off into the woods and died fighting a bear, and the Native American na- narrator says, it was a good death. And even 12-year-old me living in Longmont, Colorado, not knowing shit from Shinola, goes, fuck yeah, man, it really was. <laughs> 
And by really was, you mean it really wasn't. Because there's not much more horrible way a man can go out than by being devoured and, and just pummeled by a bear. It's god-awful, and that's why the tradition exists, because there's nothing more brave than doing something stupid, and there's nothing more stupid than trying to fight a fucking bear! I like to define myself as a man by how I pay the tab at Chili's for a date. So yeah, this is another level for me, and I'm excited to hear from you guys. Well, a bathroom break after a night at Chili's is its own bear fight in a way, but uh, that's, uh, that's a brown bear that defeats us all in the end. But I digress. So in legend, in cinema, in, in folklore, in, in, in books, the rustling of a bear, the fighting of a bear does become a benchmark. In the Lou Ferrigno Hercules movie, which is an amazing Italian trash film, if you haven't seen it, I think it's on YouTube, Hercules finds the bear that killed his parents, goes into a rage, and throws it into outer space. You heard me right, he threw a bear into outer space. Let's see Kevin Sorbo do that. Or in The Other Side of the World, in the movie Karate Bear Fighter, Sonny Chiba plays Masuyama and concludes the film with a fantastic fight against a bear slash guy in a bear suit. Another amazing story, the story of Masayama, the uh, Kyokushin uh, karate founder, whose life in a way would have fit in our previous series where martial arts becomes pro wrestling if you totally. put enough bullshit on it. But yes, again, what proves that a man has taken the step to being superhuman other than putting a bear on his ass? And I don't know why that is. I have a psychology degree. I studied uh, Jung. I, I understand symbolism and the collective unconsciousness, but that is not the podcast we're here to do. We don't care about what goes on in the minds of damaged men. We just care about what they do with their fists and their throws. I think we've barely scratched the surface on the psychology of this, but I mean, it's it's a true thing, you know? Look at, like, in modern times even, there's that video of Khabib, one of the greatest fighters of all time, and some people argue the greatest fighter in the world today, wrestling a bear at six years old. So, I mean, I don't know if that's coincidence or if that's just, you know, you know, the power of the bear. What do you think, Cody? Would you ever take on a bear? Um, in a million years, I must say that there is no chance I would take on a bear. Um, I've been seeing a therapist for a while. My decisions are a little more there with a little more clarity. It's terrifying. I don't want to do that at all. Can you beat a bear, Chongo? I don't know if I could beat a bear, but I would definitely try, man. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And we'll talk about this uh, concept here in a little bit of when they would have the, hey, townies, who wants to try to wrestle a bear? And if you can throw it, it's $25. And I in no way think I would say no. I would, I would be pushing myself to the front of that line because we are both very dumb men. So that is a bit of a handicap, but that would not stop us. And from the carnivals of Europe in the Middle Ages to the age of Napoleon to Victorian England to the Russian traditions we see extended and like Khabib uh, Nurmagomedov, how can I never say his name right? Nurmagomedov. Yeah. No, no, I, I didn't even think I said it right. That's a hard one. Line, take yeah. two. From the carnivals of Europe in the Middle Ages to the age of Napoleon to Victorian England to the Russian and Ural traditions we see extended to Khabib Nurmagomedov wrestling one as a child. If a man needs to prove he is above other men, he had to fight a bear. But when it becomes less about legend and more about selling tickets or settling side bets, it becomes pro wrestling. And I do want to stop right now and say there is a bit of a content warning for animal abuse in this story. So if that's a little too much for you, well, I say, you know what? I'm fine with that. Hit pause. We'll see you next time. Love you anyway. Otherwise, we're going to get to some, uh, some crazy stories here today. 
For you see, bear wrestling as a pro wrestling attraction, like everything else in this business, draws its origins back to the post-Civil War carnivals as the railroads were laid and Western expansion was underway. Small town marks would line up around the block. Did they have blocks? Line up around the dirt farm to see something new? Weird and exciting. And when the thrill of just a regular wrestling match with an open challenge to the crowd starts to lose its luster after a few visits to the tent, you know, you've lost your money trying to win a coin or a ring toss or, you know, whatever other dumb game is rigged, seeing a few of the, uh, the, the weird creatures in a freak show that, uh, you know, things that don't exist now because we have vitamins, <laughs> what on earth could keep them around for a few more hours to spend more money? Let's close the show with a wrestler versus a bear. How about that? How about seeing the wrestler lock horns, I guess paws, with a goddamn bear? Better yet, how about the local farm boys and saloon toughs getting a crack at wrestling the damn thing themselves? Throw the, throw the bear, or don't get thrown by the bear, and win $5, win $25, whatever the challenge was. Get your leg broken in the attempt, dislocate your shoulder, then good luck tracking us down as we head off to the next town, shithead. Hope your insurance is paid up. Yeah, it's a, it's I wonder what the premium is that you have to pay to get your bear injury covered from, yeah, match with the bear, you know. <laughs> That's a real liability. Your yeah. premium's going up after that. I was afraid you'd say, see, I knew you would know the answer to something like that. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think that if you're willing to step in there with a bear at a carnival that you're too worried about your insurance premiums. And also, I think we need to point out that these bears could work, man. These were some working bears back in back in the carny days. These were some carny ass bears. <laughs> and worker or not, it is as we keep saying a goddamn bear. And then once the locals get their shot, injured, dead, however it ends up, it's then time for the carnival wrestler to step out and put this beast on its ass and look like a goddamn god to the yokels in this town. But how on earth do you wrestle a bear? With practice. Yeah, I would guess that you'd have to be the <laughs> trainer who taught him to, he's taught him to take the fall. So the bear is in on, on the work. And like I said, these are, you know, this has become the tradition that this evolved into. The carny working bears. You even saw it in like the movie Semi-Pro with Will Ferrell, right? I mean, that's a thing that has become almost a trope now. But the wrestling bear is a very serious thing. Because if you go in there with a real vicious wild animal, it will fucking kill you. So they had to teach these bears how to work a little bit. Uh, I'm picturing Dr. Doolittle on the side agenting the match between the two, like a medium. And which Dr. Doolittle are you saying? Are we going with uh, Eddie Murphy, more of the bad Welsh accent, Robert Downey Jr., maybe some sort of different version in your head? Eddie Murphy, absolutely. Yes, he'd be, I think that would be a great ringside manager for the bear. <laughs> right? Yes. Get him, give him the Doolittle! And, well... This is where the show gets a little less fun for a moment, because like any aspect of carnival wrestling, or wrestling of any kind when betting money was on the line, the game had to be fixed, and this was done through cruelty that seemed normal in those savage days, but horrible to us now. If the bear was lucky, it just had a tight muzzle put over its, uh, over its mouth, and its claws clipped or filed down but most times it was the teeth and claws being actually removed, which is a horrible thing to do to ensure that a person uh, you know, doesn't, doesn't get ripped, uh, ripped to shreds. To us today, that seems absolutely horrifying, but these were far more horrifying uh, times than, uh, than we're living in today. Yeah, it's absolutely inhumane treatment. 
if you take the bear's major weapons away, and now it's much less likely to end with entrails being thrown into the crowd like party streamers. Still, this is a bear we're talking about, so it's still hundreds of pounds of raw nature that could drop you with a stiff paw or falling on you and making you go swish. So most times, the bears were raised like pets from the time they were cubs, so the bear, who could still whoop that ass, would be trained that wrestling is playtime with its friend, the wrestler. Or else, it was taught that if you fight back, it's a beating. Usually it's the latter. So once again, it was cruelty to put on a show, to game the system, to make sure that no marks are taking home their money and anybody betting the wrong way is getting their uh, their pockets emptied. Yeah, and, and that is all contextual because in the other side of that, I'm sure those bears got pretty well... You know, when you think about, like, the Hart family that had a bear for several years, that bear lived, you know, a pretty comfortable existence, relatively speaking. It had to, unfortunately, have things done to it to ensure the safety of the people that it was working with. But, you know, in the future, we may look at the things we do to spay and neuter animals and think that that's inhumane, you know? I mean, it was just, it was standard practice at the time to keep humans safe, because that was the priority. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you're still in there with a fucking bear, man. How do you even domesticate that thing to begin with? Like, what? It's wild. Yeah, well, you have to keep in mind. I mean, any animal can be domesticated to a certain extent. You know, you watch, uh, like, you know, Tiger King. You see that animals, no matter what, can be taught to be a little bit like pets. But the problem is, even pets will occasionally turn on their humans. My little tiny dog has bit me. We've all been scratched by house cats. But it's a whole different game when it's a, you know, 500-pound black bear that just decides it's had enough of your malarkey. Yeah, I think, I think also it's just developing the bond and, the, you know, sort of the pack mentality with the bear was how I imagine that's got to that's go. Because if, if you put it in that situation where it would be any kind of scared or it wasn't normalized, I'm sure that would be very dangerous to then let a bunch of marks go take a turn at trying to grapple it. Oh, absolutely. So that's why it was gamed for as much safety as possible, but in the end, it was kind of like advertising a really big pet as the monster of the forest that could destroy all men in front of it. Then step out in your singlet and play with old fur pants so it knows it gets a salmon when you're done. Cons, kayfabe, crazy. Now let me ask you this. If you were gonna fight a bear, what would be your what would be your initial approach? What would be your strategy? Do do you ever recall the show from Spike TV Mansers? Oh, barely, but yes. <laughs> they did, I had to be in like middle school. They did an episode on what to do if you fight a bear. First, I'll give you like three disclosures to like do not do this stupid. Um, but I think they say you hit it in the nose. I guess that'd be my go-to. Like oh. you just try to up it in the nose, but. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, stick and comic stick, you know, stick, you know, Good footwork. Work your jab. Be very, very ollie about it. Because, you know, as somebody with more of a, you know, thing in grappling, I was thinking, like, well, is it on all fours? Is it rearing up? Is it, like, would I be able to get, like, a Sakuraba-style ankle pick off this thing as I circle out? Like, what's, uh, what's, what's the strategy? Can I get it down? Will I be able to get a choke on it? Why am I even making a strategy for fighting a forest monster that will just eat my face? Yeah, totally. It, when it's clearly the best technique is to... Throw the two, shoot the power double, take that little bitch down and get a mounted triangle on him, right? That's definitely the way you want to approach fighting a bear. And here we are talking about it, so clearly we would be along with the marks getting in line to try to wrestle one of these damn things. Because when they would sell it to the public as a challenge, 
things had to be sold a little differently. It was no longer the wrestler versus, you know, the king of the fucking forest that will just destroy because most people are going to go, uh, no, not, not that guy. They would sell it a little differently. They would say he's a uh, gentle giant who would never hurt a fly, but who is trained in scientific wrestling. This maximizes the number of marks who are willing to give it a go because then it becomes a manly challenge instead of a probable giggle, grisly death. <laughs> yes, the puns are going to be flying today. They might be unbearable. <laughs> but, no, it, it begs the question, like, the bear is obviously intelligent. The bear obviously has an innate sense of not trying to just kill and maim and has that sort of playful element to it. You wonder what the highest form of a working grappling partnership could develop into. Like, say, young Bret Hart wrestled with his pet bear every day for 10 years after school. I wonder how good their, you know, their tackle... Uh, tackle drop down leapfrog get it again type shit was I wonder <laughs> if he could do an international and that's what I wonder because a lot of these articles I found are talking about the scientific wrestling skills of a bear where clearly they're trying to sell it but I mean you can teach any animal a certain number of tricks and bears do stand upright they do hug they do you know have a certain capacity for uh, for the way they, they do things naturally so I have, I have to assume you can teach them a couple of things but sometimes it does get silly like in the Aberdeen Democrat from Friday, July 13th, 1906, Pierce vs. Fatima. Advertising matches between local wrestler Lurlo Pierce, the middleweight champion of the state, and Fatima, the wrestling bear. Claims that Fatima learned the tricks of the different falls and knows how to secure the deadly Nelson, the long hammerlock hold. Owing to her long, sharp claws, Pierce will have to wear heavy clothing, which will add to his handicap. The wrestling bear is not vicious and would not willingly hurt anyone. She enters to win, and if she does come out victorious, as is often the case, she rises on her hind legs, gives her vanquished for a scornful glance, and marches off to her corner of the cage and seats herself with an air of satisfaction that is so apparent and laughable that the crowd cannot resist the temptation to give her a generous cheer. She yeah. had a vendor gender wrestling right there. Dude, I, I want to cheer this bear, man. That's awesome. Even has like its own signature move and shit. That's great. <laughs> I, I'm just curious, like... I can almost see a bear being able to put a Nelson on if you're working. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, I love the hammerlock, though. Wait, how you pull that one? Soften up, brother. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who, who taught you how to work, bro? <laughs> Do you see a bear, like, secure thing for, like, a rolling, uh, you know, catch Kimura or something like that? It's like, how the shit did that happen? Yeah, seriously. Or, or another thing where they were... You know, just the, the weird hoops they would have to jump through to make these things happen. Like another case I found in the Imperium Valley Press, El Centro, California, February 28th, 1934. The audience of a boxing match missed out on a man wrestling a bear because the bear wasn't licensed to wrestle in the state of California. The inspector for the boxing commission asked for the bear's license and when, when one could not be provided stated, well, he can't wrestle here then. I'll get him a license, stated the owner, but you can't, Woodbury insisted. The state law requires that all wrestlers must be fingerprinted and the record sent to Sacramento. How are you going to fingerprint a bear? The question is still unanswered, and there will be no bear wrestling tonight. I mean, he's not wrong, right? Valid point. How do you, how do you fingerprint a bear, Cody Devine? Um, I don't even... I can't... I'm still taking all this in from a surface level. Can you begin to think about the little things like licensing, fingerprinting this bear? Yeah, that's, I think that's awesome because obviously, for one, 
Clearly, bears don't have fingers. In case you, in case you didn't miss the obvious part of it. Two, I like that he could potentially get a license if they could figure out like a like if he slid in some fake fingerprints. Like, all right, well, this works. I just, just want to know, out. like, I just want to know, like, where that thought came from, where the concept came from. It's like, oh, we're gonna have a bear wrestling match. They show up, like, can I see that bear's wrestling license? It's like, what's up? It's a bear. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing. It, it eats fish and does silly things. Like, what, who trained this bear? What's this lineage? <laughs> and, and if you're asking for the bear's license, doesn't that imply the potential that the bear could be licensed? I guess so, right? Yeah, were there other bears with wrestling licenses? <laughs> yeah, how did, how did they get this, this fingerprint exemption? Then in California, did they get get licensed in Vegas and bring it over? Or what was the trick? There? The other bear in the show that worked to get his license was really pissed when this guy got to go. That's you probably know? what happened, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then there were so many injuries because, once again, these are a lot of times not trained wrestlers. You, you don't just, say. It's like, oh, hey, we just had the, uh, the violin player, the juggler, the yodeler, a normal match, and now here's a bear doing an exhibition match with our wrestler. Oh, hey, who wants to come up and try to wrestle a bear? If you can throw him in, uh, you know, in, in 10 minutes or avoid being thrown in 10 minutes, you get $5 or whatever. And people would be like, gosh darn right I'm doing this. But, again, as we keep reiterating, it's a fucking bear. Even a small black bear is a whoop-ass machine, even if it doesn't have its claws ready to go. From the Gazette Times, Hepner, Oregon, on June 17, 1915, with the headline, Bear Got His Goat. J. Rob McGraw, our big marshal, met the wrestling bear John Brown and succeeded to get the bear on his back, but during the fall he dislocated his shoulder. John Brown is described as a scientific wrestling bear who has met some of the best mat men while in the city. So yeah, so we've got like a marshal, like a lawman who had a dislocated shoulder in 1915. Uh, I mean, that seems like a career ender in some ways. Like that's like, well, I'm a lawman. I'm going to go wrestle a bear. Oh, now I can't use my shooting arm. <laughs> yeah, first of all, there's there's a lot to unpack there. One, that's the third story of that we've that we've had that has a West Coast origin. So obviously, this is definitely a thing that's happening much in the Northwest and in California. There's a big bear density out there, and uh, obviously, this is getting a lot more action on that side too. It sounds like he secured the takedown, even though it cost him a, a dislocated shoulder. And you got to be the fucking man to get a, a bear <laughs> down to the ground. And three. What kind of a bad motherfucker is a bear that has a first and last name of like a regular person with his name John Brown? John Brown. Like, well, you're, you're, you're working John Brown tonight. Are you ready for that? <laughs> oh, by the way, that's a bear. Like, what the fuck? He must be a bad motherfucker. And I kept finding article after article after article about wrestling bears named John Brown or John Bruin, things like that. And I, like, I know that was probably just a common name to slap on a bear. You know, it became a known thing. Like, every gorilla getting called King Kong for a little while, things like that. However, I like to think of this like one mythical wrestling bear just tearing its way through the territory for a solid decade, just beating all comers, like just sitting in his like, you know, in, in his gym just smoking cigarettes, waiting for the next motherfucker to try him. I know that's not the case, but in my heart that's what I want. Oh no, that is the case. He was like he was just, you know, he had a hellacious run. I could just see him. He was like he was like the brawny man. But a bear. Hitting towns, eating at the diners, just casually. Taking girls, taking taking dudes' girls, just the bear the bear around town, bro. <laughs> 
And another near fatality was film actor Jimmy Adams, who was nearly killed by a wrestling bear, according to the Evening World, June 20th, 1921, when John Brown the Bear, once again, hope it's the same one, held him underwater while playing. The same bear had a reputation, so Jack Dempsey, yes, legendary boxer Jack Dempsey, joined a traveling circus show to wrestle it for three weeks. So th that's the thing I love finding is those weird crossovers, because I have really noticed that Dempsey loved wrestling. Remember how often he popped up as a guest referee for Mildred Burke? Totally. And now he's like traveling around wrestling a bear, because he's once again just like a Colorado, uh, you know, mining camp kid trying to make a buck with every weird twist and turn life can give him. And here he is, this famous, innovative, top-notch boxer, just traveling around wrestling a bear because it sounded like a fun thing to do for a while. <laughs> well, also, it was like, the way that was presented in the article, it sounded like he heard about this bear drowning this actor. It was like, I think that's, that's my cue. It's time <laughs> for me to go give this bear these hands. And again, they would trot them out for these huge challenges. In Arizona Republic, November 8th, 1920, wrestling grizzly bear will appear on Friday's card. John Brown, again, once again, I hope it's all the same bear. Uh, wrestling grizzly bear will appear on Friday's card. John Brown, again, hoping it's the same one, is slated to take on any challenger, guaranteeing to throw any man within 10 minutes or forfeit $10. Not sure where bear gets $10. John Brown has defeated Joe Stetcher, Earl Caddick, Ed Strangler Lewis, Martin Plastina, and Stanislaw Zabisco. So he's got a hell of a record going into this. Dude, goat status. And the main event is Nick Daviscourt versus the Masked Marvel. Hell of a risk on the mid-card. Like, imagine being, like, a traveling main eventer back in the 20s where this is serious money on the line. And it's like, oh, cool, well, who's, uh, you know, who's, who's, who's on the undercard? Oh, some dude's wrestling a fucking grizzly bear. It's like... <laughs> Well, let's hope this doesn't go sideways so I don't just go home empty-handed when this fucking shit, you know, the shit hits the fan. It's kind of, it's like, oh, hey, is it time for the main event? Oh, no, I'm sorry, we're hosing the last dude off the canvas and everybody went home screaming. <laughs> Do I get paid? Yeah, John Brown comes through the curtain. Follow that motherfucker. <laughs> dude, this guy, John Brown's super over with me, man. He's got to get his matches in quick because he knows he has to take the winner off. He's going in hot. I just can't believe his history has been so... Buried. Oh, <laughs> I mean it's true because unless you've uh, you know really studied things, you there's no reason you'll barely have heard of him. Oh, oh, oh. <sighs> this is gonna get unbearable real quick. I can't think of anything. My brain's barely active right now to keep up with you guys. I regret having you on the show and having me on the show. <laughs> and we have laid down some bear puns that as we keep saying, are rather unbearable. But this made me think of something that happened a few weeks ago when the bear pun of all bear puns, we had an event here at the theater, the Oriental Theater, where we record, called Barracuda, which was a big bear party. And if you don't know what a bear is in the uh, gay community, it is a big, usually very hairy, burly man. And uh, they have a great dance party here every time. It's always a lot of cool people having a lot of fun. However, this time we had some jerk going down the bar, pulling hair, being rude, being violent, and we had to kick him out of the building. And this is a big man. This is probably six foot two, had the big glamour muscles going on, probably about 250, 260, wearing a pink Speedo and a 
leather harness following this way and that because he is just so messed up and we get this guy outside he doesn't understand because he's just so blacked out he grabs hold of security's afro and yanked his head down before he could really react i run out there i shoot a double leg takedown pull him down put him in a uh, calf crusher uh, lock but i realize i should not uh, wreck somebody with a calf crusher uh, in a situation like this so being the wrestling nerd i am i try to turn him over into a crap Boston crab, but he was too big, too strong, too heavy, still holding on to Max's hair. So I uh, softened him up with a uh, kick to the balls, swam past his legs, knee on stomach, knee on his head, put him in a wrist lock and his cranked until he let go of Max's hair, switched my grip and flipped it over to a Kimura and uh, held it there until, uh, you know, the whole situation was over. And the reason I'm telling that story is because I can now officially say that I wrestled a bear. <laughs> And that's the genesis of the episode. Because before that happened, I was actually telling him how I wanted to get my hands on a bear. Because I actually have a reverse Goldilocks story that is also a true story where uh, last year when we were on, uh, on the road when we were doing TV in Salt Lake City and there were the big fires up here, some bears actually broke into my house. Wow. And and there were bear prints on the window. They actually gutted my fridge and took a shit in my fridge. <laughs> Very disrespectful. So since that day, I've been I've been planning. So you asked what I would do to a bear if I saw him. Remember what my response was? Shoot the double. What'd you do to that bear? Shot the double, right? Oh, exactly. Just like he, just like I drew it up in the sand, baby. That's <laughs> right. So yes, now that we're, now we're getting to the meat and potatoes of the matter that we really have these bear stories. He actually beat me to it to wrestling a bear. So I enjoyed that. And now we're going to make our final stop on this adventure, the final story of the evening. And who boy is it a doozy? Who boy is it a big one? It is the story of Rainier and Lena the bear. This was a big deal in New York City at the time, Emile Rainier and Lena the Bear. Rainier was a wrestler and a good pal of one of our favorites, Theobode Bauer. And you may even remember the story from the Bauer episode where burglars snuck into their cigar shop where they kept their wrestling bears at night. And as the article states, the bears, not being of acquaintanceship with the men, set upon them. And I always love the wording on that because it makes the, the bear sound like they were playing cards in their top hats with their cognac and totally. their cigars. Like, say there, old bean, do you know these chaps? I dare say I do not. Shall we set upon them? Oh, I dare say I dare say we must. Yes, yeah, so the, the Charmin Ultra Bears were looking at each other like, is this a work or a shoot? No, <laughs> this is a shoot, brother. And you could see the level of their working because what happens when it's a shoot? What happens when it's a shoot? Yeah, they end up they end up in the mortuary column in the in the newspaper, old chap, because Someone's the bears sat upon them for, for not being familiar. Yes. Next to the shop, Rainier held wrestling matches at a three hundred seat auditorium next door, calling the spot the Athletic Hall. And here we have our first properly documented man versus bear match in America, though oral tradition puts them even earlier in the carnivals like we've been talking about. And this was on December 11th, 1877. The evening saw some standard Greco-Roman matches, a bit of live music, Rainier himself coming out in trunks wearing medals that he got who knows where, and throwing around heavy weights to show off his strength. And then we got to the main event, where two bears were trotted out to take on William Haster, a wrestler. The bears had their claws filed down and wore iron muzzles. But again, these are still bears. And... <laughs> 
Quote, The bear did not understand the fun of things. The Times reported, He did Uh-oh. not want to be thrown, but he exhibited no desire to throw his opponent. The match, therefore, was declared a tie. Then out came Renier, who managed to throw his bear, and was cheered by the crowd. One assumes today that the poor bear was raised by the French wrestler and understood it was playtime or knew a beating was coming if he fought back against his cruel master. It's 1877, so you can probably guess which one was the case. So wait a minute. Okay, let's back up. What was this format of this match? Because first it sounded like there was going to be a bear tag team. Then it was like two bears taking on one guy. Like, was it a handicap bear match? And then he came in and cashed in money bear in the bank i like to think that one bear was the manager you know it's like a valet bear i don't i don't know a display bear maybe he got to pick which bear he wanted to go against maybe it was rock paper scissors no idea but it was enough of a hit that people came back and wanted to see it again so a week later bear rustling was back according to one newspaper report his opponent this time was a most sagacious brute named Lena, who poked her iron muzzle at his face, put unlawful crooks upon his legs, and ev- <laughs> was evidently disposed to pull his hair and used every artifice within the range of her sagacity to defeat him. Despite the 300-pound bear's tactics, Rainier eventually managed to secure a good grip under her forelegs, threw her to the canvas, and was declared the winner. What a heel! That bear, that bear was working. <laughs> you ain't cheating. You ain't trying. So what he pulled? He, what kind of maneuver did he pull? How did they describe that? He, they just say he got hold of the foreleg. So I don't know if uh, I'm picturing like a like he's down on all four turtles and managed to overhook the arm and do a quick turn. I don't know why I'm trying to apply like a jujitsu strategy to wrestling a bear. I don't know how it translates. If it does. What is wrong with me that I'm even thinking this way? Yeah, and who, who didn't teach the bear how to prevent against the, the backside half Nelson? I mean, who booked this shit, Cody? <laughs> Just a straight-up half Nelson, trying to do headlock takeovers, half Nelsons with bears. Yes. But the night was not over. The following match was our old friend Theobode Bauer taking on a bear named Martin. Though billed as ferocious, Martin seemed to want no part in the match and backpedaled until Bauer was swearing at it and eventually got hold of the bear for a throw. After this, Lena and Rainier had their, had their uh, rematch with the different results. Having learned something, no doubt, Lena grasped Rainier around the hips, got crook in his leg, and brought him down. Despite the illegal tripping, referee Fred Engelhart declared Lena the winner. I'm certain that this was a great swerve for the sake of betting. You have this crazy French muscle man wrestler come out and throw a bear with ease, come back for the rematch, and oh, the bear wins. I'm sure some cash traded hand on that little swerve. I was waiting to hear from a run-in from John Brown at the end of all that. Yeah, well, John Brown is waiting for the winner, I would imagine. <laughs> He's not booked on every show. He's only at the pay-per-views. But who, who in their right mind is going to bet on a human beating a bear twice? No way. I, I would think, like, even if you got it the one time, I'm going to be like, okay, that's probably about the best you're ever going to do. But, you know, <laughs> maybe, you know, I definitely would not put my money on the on the rematch who feels the need to do it twice you already beat a bear you'd be done there you you beat a bear well you know what that smells like hippodrome you gotta get in on this buddy. I missed all right thank you ready you know what that smells like a hippodrome capital i'm so happy to be able to do that not in my room by myself listening to you guys 
But you have to imagine there probably was a great betting edge on that because, you know, he comes out, he beats his bear. Bauer comes out and beats his bear. So when there's some money changing hands on the bats, everybody's like, oh, man, these guys know how to, how to handle their bears. And then, whoops, bear wins. Suckers. Dude, it looks like a bear market on that one, old chap. Oh, God. <laughs> yes, man. What a work. What a work, man. Both the bears in on it. Two bears lose in the semis. I, I, yeah, the, ga the game's a foothold, Jeff. This, this is why you need an agent. Totally. And within a few weeks, the concept of a man wrestling a bear was such a draw in the city that they actually got a huge crowd at Central Park Gardens on Christmas Day to watch such a contest. Lena the Bear is back, as was Emile Ranier, and they each made their way to the stage. No idea what their entrance music choices were. I assume it was bare necessities. I don't know what other options there would be. Um, it is a great way to go. Anyway, after a ferocious back and forth with Lena the Bear trying to bite through the muzzle and even managing to throw Rainier to the floor, but fortunately not on his back, the wrestler got back to his feet and went on to win the match. The crowd goes wild. What a Christmas present, eh? What a Christmas that is. Yeah, and what a, what a trilogy. So he went, he went two and one with the bear. But he, he lost the one when all the money was on the line. Yeah, that is, that is a proper work. There's a hustle, as they say, old chap. <laughs> but all good things do come to an end, because not too much later, Renier and Bauer closed their shop as Bauer was spending more time on the West Coast and touring. So the previously mentioned referee, Fred Engelhart, formed a troupe, which consisted of Lena, the often pacifistic Martin, and a third bear named Marianne to tour the country as an attraction. See the wrestling bear you read about from New York City. Oh, that's the heel bear. That's the bear everyone wants to see, <laughs> see get, get their just desserts. And it was profitable, and it was going well. Then Lena, I assume unhappy with the endless losses, most likely worked to Renier, grabbed another wrestler named Jean-Francis Bourne and gave him a bear hug, or would it just be a hug at that point? I, I think that I think that's a good question, right? I, I think technically that would just be a hug. So the bear got him in this position and squeezed until he nearly collapsed, the wrestler not the bear. Bourne was taken to New York Hospital where he was diagnosed with internal injuries. On April 14th, 1878, Bourne died. For the time being, so did bear wrestling in the Northeast. This really put a damper on the whole thing. There were some attempts to uh, soft-shoe soft it because uh, New York Deputy Coroner Miller probably took a nice bribe to state that Bourne's system was in a very bad condition caused by fast living and that he was also suffering from pyemia following a disease contracted in his youth. Because, hey, if you're going to try to uh, take the spotlight away from a bear-related death, why not just blame the victim? <laughs> Imagine being one of the civilians then and you're just hearing about like your city council trying to pass a law that you can't wrestle bears. And then just coming now to understand there's lobbyists being like, no, 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 we want these bears to be wrestled. We're making money here. Totally. That's a, <laughs> you can just hear the, like, the level of absurdity that they would take. To, Your Honor, what kind, of, what kind of American freedom are we allowing if we can't have a simple black forest bear wrestle in a hippodrome? <laughs> and then they get arrested. That's one count of being a bear, one count of an ex being an accessory to being a bear. <laughs> Citizens reference... Bear wrestling, of course, continued out west and was a mainstay of Canadian and Southern wrestling for nearly a century to come. But those are stories for another day. This was just kind of just a 
weird little uh, little flyover, a little summary of just this weird concept because it wasn't just bears in various places in the world. People were fighting boxing kangaroos. There was a famous boxing bear in uh, Victorian England who was famous for knocking down a man in footage that looks nothing like a worked boxing match, I assure you. So yes, from the Roman Colosseum to the uh, to Madison Square Garden, practically, the history of man wanting to test his mettle against nature in almost literal sense continues to this day because we'd still see movies. Um, you still see movies like uh, that, that uh, one with Anthony Hopkins and, uh, um, and and Baldwin where The Edge, where it's like, oh, it's, what, what is man needing to overcome to survive in the wild? Well, first step, we have to kill a bear and skin it. It's like the first major like nature boss in a video game. And that archetype stays with us to this day for safety's sake and uh, animal rights sake, and rightfully so, it is not a thing we do today, but we symbolize it nonstop. You could ethically wrestle an animal. What would you pick? You have to make yourself look good. It's an ethical wrestling match? So like, I let's say the animal somehow no, no, consents. No, sh no shin kicking or eye poking. No shin kicking or <laughs> eye poking. Let's say this animal can somehow consent. You want to beat an animal that's good enough to get you some cred, yeah. but you want to you don't want to wrestle something that's going to wreck you. Totally. I want to I want to fight it like so an you, ostrich. So you want to pick your you want to pick your opponent well then. Is what yeah. You're I want to fight the bear that broke into my fucking house. <laughs> and you don't want to fight an ostrich. An ostrich would freaking gut you with its Dude, claws. Those are mean, dumb birds. Animals are terrifying, just regardless of whatever. Think about like something as relatively small as a raccoon. That's basically like a t a tiny bear. A bear is terrifying, bro. I would definitely only want to fight a bear because it broke into my house or if it was a sanctioned wrestling bear. I definitely wanted to do that, you know? But um, I think if I was going to wrestle any other type of animal, I always... You know what I always wondered? Who would win in a wrestling match between a silverback gorilla and a grizzly bear? I was just thinking that same thing. I'm going to go. That is a tough one. And actually, Casual Geographic did a thing on that one about how these are two you know, apex predators and how like the the bite force and this versus that. I'm going to go honestly with the bear on this one because they are more actually aggressive as opposed to theatrically presentation yeah. aggressive because a gorilla will fuck your shit up if it has to. But for the most part, it's just like, let's scare away the camera guy. I just want to like, you know, fucking put my finger in my belly button and eat these leaves. A grizzly bear's like, I have killed 400 things this year. It's yeah. about to be 401. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to have to disagree, old chat, because I'm going to venture that the gorilla could be taught jujitsu. And even though the grizzly's like twice its height, it's it's got similar mass and strength to where if he got his back and had a little bit of technique, especially think about having them feet hands. If you got a rear mount, you just like lock your hands together like a grip, gable grip your feet, he'd choke the fuck out of that so, bear. So we're kind fuck of, that bear. So we are getting some qualifiers because now you're trying to discuss like if, a, if the animals had a full fight camp as opposed to just being like dumped <laughs> off the couch. Yeah, that's yeah, fair. Just, yeah, well, yeah, so, well, you know, I'm sure the bear out of hibernation probably needs to, you know, lose a little weight. So by the time you hear this, we will be in jail for sneaking into the zoo and making these things happen. <laughs> this we are sorry to our families for what we have done and uh, why we are no longer uh, in more than one piece. It was Cody's idea. It was Cody's idea, top to bottom. But yeah, it's it, it it's something that you know it's it's. <laughs> People still talk about it to this day. We are a weird species with weird ideas, and that's why we created. We're the only species that created professional wrestling. So thank you so much for being here, and thanks to Cody for being here. Uh, we did ask him to leave, but his mom didn't pick him up in time. <laughs>
make sure you you know you like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, check out our Instagram. I will find some cool old bear wrestling photos to put with this to uh, to to do that. If you're listening to us on a format where you can subscribe, please do that. I don't think we've put out a bad episode yet. Hopefully, I'm not wrong. Uh, you know, if you can give us a review, please do. We want to hear your thoughts. Message us on Facebook if you have a fun idea. But until then, for Cody Devine and Chago Bronson, I'm Nick Gossert. We'll see you in two weeks. Cut print. Vape jewel. Vape jewel. Just for you, old chap. Yes, like yes. that. Martini. <laughs>